right, here we go once again. It's uh, Swing Thoughts featuring the the writer, uh, the coach, the all-around good man, Timothy O'Connor, and uh, golf spiritual leader. So named by himself, which makes it a little less, <laughs> a little less, you know, effective. But still, uh, it's great to be with everyone. Uh, Tim O'Connor, why don't you say hello to the people? Hello, oh, people. Hang on a second. I got to turn the uh, music down here. Hang on a second. There's Tim O'Connor. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good. And hello, people, as I was instructed to do. Boy, you gave me this big, long thing. And you're just like, just hey, I'm golf spiritual leader. That's it. Mm. You know? You have a lot of fine qualities that you should share with people. Well, you know what? I appreciate that. And uh, you are, uh, as always, uh, welcome in my home where we record the uh, we record the podcast inside the Humble and Fred Studios. I just, you know, sort of make my way down the stairs. And here we are together. Fair, uh, is, it, is this called uh, sharing fellowship? Is that what we're doing? I don't know. I mean, we're doing. I'm not exactly in your home. It's like this digital thing. I guess is that being in your home? Or is now in 2018? Yeah. Is it, we're connect. I'm in your home at least. Well, I can as, see as zeros and ones and stuff. Yeah, like I'm looking at a, a, a. We're on Skype, Tim and I, this morning, and I'm looking at you know where you're sitting. It looks like a lovely couch, and there's a couple of beautiful pictures behind you, and you know I feel like uh, you know I feel like we're taking part in one another's lives uh, digitally. I suppose. Yes, we are. We're exchanging. We can see eyeball to eyeball, which That's is right. really fun. Uh, this program brought to you, as always, by uh, TaylorMade, which announced recently the M5 and M6, a line of drivers, uh, which is cool. And, of course, Adidas, Adida. I was uh, in Florida last week with uh, Glenn Townsend from Adidas, who knows, uh, who, who is the lovely woman that we deal with? Is it Laura? Uh, Leslie Hawkins. Leslie, Leslie. He works she's the with, GM. Yeah. She's the she's the the head honcho in Canada. Well, she works with Glenn. Glenn works with her, and both of us showed up at the Club Link tournament, festooned in Adidas apparel, and uh, I had a great week. How how have you been, sir? I've been really good, really yeah. good. You know, I, this time of year, um, I like moving into kind of like. Uh, planning preparation mode, getting some programs going for various clients uh, for next year. I like doing that kind of work. So, um, no, I'm real good, real good. You know, family's around and starting to, the uh, boys are. It's good to have the boys around. Sean's finished his exam, so he's probably less. We're actually see more of him rather than just see his door closed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had some interesting conversations last week. One in particular with. Uh, for for you people who don't know, um, Tim, beside coaching uh, the Guelph uh, Gryffindors, uh, the Guelph Griffins, <laughs> besides coaching uh, the golf team, and besides working with private clients, and uh, as part of the uh, Glen Abbey um, Academy, Tim also coaches. I guess what would you call this type of coaching? Executive coaching, yeah, with a, with yeah. a lot of the uh, principals in Clublink, and I had a. I got a chance to play with uh, one of your uh, coaches, I guess, last week, and we were talking and saying nothing but wonderful things about you. It got rather boring, actually. (laughs) (laughs) After a while, we're both going, oh, yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's great. No, I know him better. No, I know him better. Whatever. (laughs) Well, I can't comment because all of my clientele are uh, confidential. Confidential, confidential. Seal it in blood and everything. Um. I, I really like what you. Uh, well, anyways, this on this episode today, uh, we're gonna. This this, by the way, is uh, our eightieth, yeah, eightieth edition of Swing Thoughts, spanning uh, I guess now over three years, and uh, you know that's pretty impressive. I'm impressed. I'm impressed by you. I'm <laughs> impressed. Right. I, I'm impressed you've put up with me that long. Oh, stop quite it! Frankly, stop it! Don't give me that. Um, I loved what because uh, we were sort of wondering, you know, what, what we're going to talk about uh, this. This show we're recording it the week before you all will hear it. So uh, I guess this will be released Friday the twentieth or Saturday the twenty first. The point is, this is our last swing thoughts of twenty eighteen, and um, I really liked what uh, your idea for an agenda was. 
And why don't you uh, tell the folks what we're going to be talking about? Well, Howard and I have both recently taken lessons. Uh, you've been talking for a while about your um, your work with Scott Cowks. Yes, sir. And I had my first sort of formal lesson in about three years uh, last week with Ralph Bauer. And Ralph, um, so Scott Cowks, he coaches, what, Mackenzie Hughes and some other you know top-level people, right? Yeah, he coaches uh, Mackenzie and a couple of other uh, tour players. He works with a bunch of sort of high-level amateurs uh, and, and and a senior guy in me. I, I might... Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't. I'm not. I'm sure. I'm not his oldest client, but I would be his oldest client uh, taking it this seriously. Let's yeah. put it that way. You know, a, a truer words never <laughs> freaking said. Yeah. <laughs> just taking it seriously. Oh my gosh. So um, you, you, Ralph Bauer. Coaches, but I'm just saying. So our uh, our agenda. Go ahead. Sorry. Go go go. So it was Ralph Bauer coaches uh, Adam Hadwin and Kyle Stanley. So, anyways, we've both taken lessons. I thought, well, let's take a look at that whole thing about taking lessons and and how you can um you know fully benefit from them uh what are sort of some of the pitfalls if you will uh what are because a lot of people don't have a great experience they go in and a lot of people have i think a misconception that they can go in and the pro you know they're slicing it and say hey fix me i got a i got a nassau this afternoon and you're automatically fixed so I just thought that would be just kind of worth um, looking at through our own experience and whatever words of wisdom we may be able to share, we could share them. Well, I think that's fantastic. Um, can can we have a, just a quick anecdote before we get to the uh, main agenda of today? Your anecdote? Yes. Please share. I'm open to anecdotes. Um. Because uh, I know you said to, in that introduction that it's the first lesson you've taken in, in three years. And, and I've been very fortunate because of the people I know. And, you know, we've had Nick Trachillo on the show and Sean Casey, both guys I've worked with. You know, Sean I worked with for a long time. Uh, Nick I just work with from time to time because he works the range at Glen Abbey where I play. So... Um, but I've been working with Cowks for about three and a half months. And we'll talk about, there's a couple of things in the lesson part of this. But I I hadn't played golf for about three weeks. I'd only played a couple times in the last six weeks prior to playing in Florida. And uh, after the first day there, I had a little bit of a warm-up round. But I played in the tournament that Club Link puts on. Even though I wasn't an official participant... I just wanted to see how I would do against the pros and against the field. So I kept, we have a, they were using that Golf Genius app, the uh, leaderboard, whatever. So I, I thought, oh, I'll keep track of how I do. And uh, I start off by shooting under par the first round. Well, I shot 71, 73. So my first two rounds, I'm like, cool. I'm like, you know, yeah. I shot 144 like a grown up. <laughs> and uh, so I made the mistake of looking at the uh, leaderboard, and I'm like, okay, against the pros, I'm like in fourth or fifth position out of 25 guys. And against the amateurs, I'm leading by a couple shots. Going into the last round, where, of course, <laughs> I was like, I'm leading. the, and, and again, no one knew there was a tournament on except me. Was <laughs> the tournament in your mind? Oh, you no, mean? it was. It was completely, uh, it was just that I... I thought, okay, how will I do over a four tournament round? So I was 71, 73. God, you're such a beauty. Oh, my God. 78. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, why I did this, because I had a great conversation with a, a recent guest of ours, Dr. Ed Coughlin. Yeah. What Ed said to me, and, and this will sort of be part of our lesson plan today, but what Ed said to me is, you need to practice and then practice playing with context so i gave oh, myself yeah. i gave myself the context that i'm playing brilliant, in the tournament. brilliant so i thought okay let's use this as a way to see if i can put a little pressure on myself <laughs> anyway so i shot uh, one under par on the first day <laughs> one over par on the second day and the third day i was starting to get a little tired but i sort of scraped it around i shot 78 and these are all on different golf courses and then on the fourth day, we played Eagle Trace, which is the toughest course we play down there. It's a former uh, home of the Honda PGA Tour stop. And uh, I, sh I had to shoot, um, <clears throat> pardon me, I was 
one over or even the last six holes to shoot 85. <laughs> and, uh, and again, I finished second in a tournament that nobody knew that was going on except for me. Oh, my God. I love that. But it was a good lesson for me. It was sure. a good lesson in, you know, how much stamina do I have? And, I again, I, I mentioned these aren't excuses. <clears throat> Those are just the facts. I hadn't played a lot of golf. And I hadn't played five days in a row in months. And on, I will tell you, on the on the fourth day of the tournament, the fifth day of golfing, I was exhausted. Well, and, a lot of people would say, well, you're on a it sounds like a buddy golf trip. And, you know, you're all probably all bearded out by that. But that's not a factor with you. Um, oh, no. You know, so. But, yeah, I get it. You know, go on a trip. Yeah. So how much do um, I got to ask as uh, your friend, your confidant, your podcast partner and part-time coach how much did how what kind of a dialogue did you have going in your head <laughs> well about you know oh my gosh here i am and well, i'm supposed to be in this tournament and you know i would have probably been better off not to know exactly where i stood <clears throat> but uh, because of the <laughs> if it's a tournament that's only in your head yeah well, exactly i would say that's kind of impossible um <laughs> I would say, you know, on the last day, I, I sort of laughed. You you would love this because on the second hole, I had a hundred and uh, maybe twenty yards from a perfect lie in the middle of the fairway, and I shanked it behind a tree. A shank, an a shank. actual hazel rocket. As, uh, I, in fact, I, I that was not the last time I shanked a shot. Um, I had one more shank in in the space of the first twelve holes. I hit, <clears throat> excuse me, four balls into the water. I was Sorry. playing a par 72 golf course, and by the 12th hole, I had to be either 10. No, I was probably 11 or 12 over par. Like I say, I gutted it out the last six holes so I could break 90. Um, anyway, it was a good experience, and, and I, I was taking what Dr. Ed said, and this could be a good segue into our, you know, yeah. we can talk about your lesson. But the, the takeaway is this. You've got to practice putting yourself in pressure situations to get to get something out of it at least to, for me I did and I, and listen you know it was easy to say after the first round where I was leading I thought okay cool let's see how I'll do over four rounds but I wanted to put a little pressure on myself and I wanted to practice with some context and that's what we'll talk about today but it was a great experience I really enjoyed it and as I said you know the last day I gave myself I forgave myself for being tired because I was I was really oh yeah I was tired and my sore and I hit a lot of golf balls in five days and, and I, I had a great time but shooting well, is it, uh, isn't that the object of the exercise to have absolutely a great time. I had a great time when it was over I was proud of the way I finished and I was proud of the fact that I didn't give up and all that other stuff that you know some good stuff that only had to do with my long-term goals and how I'll act if I'm ever in that situation again. Yeah. So that brings and, us to – go ahead. Yeah. Well, I just it just reiterates one of the themes that we pounded away at in this podcast over three glorious years is that you got to get your reps in. So whatever you're doing, you have to be doing it and doing it more often and doing it in a quality way. Um, so, you know – Playing in tournaments under pressure, the more you get your reps in, the more you are able to withstand pressure. It's just quickly. Um, I remember Todd Graves, our friend, said to Mo Norman, "Mo, how do you get tournament tough?" Mo said, "Play tournaments. Play tournaments." And, and you know, I, I will say one last thing. What I did, or what I conjured for myself, uh, Doctor Ed and I talked a little bit about this. Your brain doesn't know the difference between an actual tournament. And practicing as though you're in a tournament. Yeah. And and we'll I want to talk more about that when we get to the idea oh, that's of brilliant. Yep. To get to the idea of how do you because I have been taking lessons and you've been lucky as as lucky as me. We've been around great players and great teachers our whole lives and you know, I, if anyone knows how to take a lesson, it's you and I. So let's talk a little bit about your recent experience with Ralph Bauer, high, high level coach. And I'll talk a little bit about my experiences. And maybe the takeaway today for our Swing Thought friends is what can you do over the winter? But more right. importantly, what do you look for? What are you going to look for in terms of the entire experience, whether you're working with Casey or Nick or, you know, anybody else that we work with? Um, 
how do you what's your takeaway because i'll tell you what before you sign up for lessons whether it's evershed or scott Cowks, you should know what you want out of the experience oh absolutely well th- that's one of the key questions that a good um, golf professional will always ask and is that what do you want what do you want to have happen that connects to to why and your purpose as a golfer so you you should always go in with a good idea of what the heck you want and that way you give the instructor some context and you know he knows what you're looking for are you looking for you know to to do a, like a refit if you will or just some maintenance or that type of thing so uh so that's exactly what ralph bauer did um i got there and um and basically says so what do you want to have happen here and i said I just said to him, Ralph, I haven't had a lesson in three years. I've been kind of on this journey of, of, of self-coaching to see how I could do with that. It was a very deliberate thing because, you know, like you, I had taken lessons, oodles of lessons from some of Canada's top golf instructors. We're really fortunate, you know, for like 30 years, people like Foley, Sean, um, yeah, Sean Foley, Tom Jackson, Ben Kern, Bruce McCarroll, you name it. But I really deliberately stepped away from that because I really wanted to explore this idea of, of self-coaching. And, you know, I actually, last year I played the best golf of my life. But I thought, you know what, it would be a very interesting experiment to put myself under sort of the eye of, of a PGA Tour guy. And so I just said, Ralph, just, you know, just tell me what you see. There's stuff, you know, that's probably that I just don't really see what's going on. And he said, okay. And that was the context. And basically, we came up with two things that that I thought were kind of relatively minor, and that was the lesson. And it took an hour and a half, but it was uh, it was really really fun. But that that was the context of how we got it started. You know, they um, the difference between a great teacher and an okay teacher isn't just that they have a great eye. I used to think that you know. I used to think, well, the the more you spend on a on a golf instructor, you know, the not just the more they know, but I guess the better eye they have. But in actual fact, what I think a great golf instructor can do is find multiple ways because everybody, like I shouldn't say everybody, a, a decent golfing teacher could see very quickly maybe what you're doing wrong, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. But it's the ability to come up with multiple ways. Excuse me, to explain it to you until one, you know, because 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 it's like you might be aiming too far right, but if there's not a way to put it in context that you'll be able to, you know, synthesize it, then it's useless. So what guys right. like Bauer do and Casey does and Nick and Cowks is they just come up with ways of explaining it so that eventually you get it because you know what. You know, whether you're taking the club back too far inside on the takeaway, whatever it is, I could tell you that. But unless there's a way for you to res- for it to resonate within you, it's useless. Right. Yeah. Well, one of the things, well, Ralph was just, he had me hit a bunch of shots and um, he ha- he's got the, the foresight system in his, um, but he's got this in his house in lovely Simcoe, Ontario, he's got this big room that's kind of a big high ceiling. He's got nets and he's got like workout bench and all this stuff. It's really cool. And um, so he had the foresight system there. I'm hitting balls and and uh, so he's just seeing something. And then uh, so he just t- finally after I hit a bunch and of wedges and six irons and we take a look and he goes, so what do you see? And I went, I went, um, I'm kind of rounded, and it, and he says, "Do you? Feel, how did you feel there? Did you feel secure on your feet?" I said, "No, I felt off balance." He says, "Bingo," and he could see that I had my weight towards my heels, so that my swing path was about four degrees inside. So thus, I either hit some hooks or big blocks. So in essence, all it was was getting my me more balanced, so I was more on my on my toes, and he had a bunch of. Uh, like a balance board and a, and another thing, and so it was a matter of just feeling that. So it was, it was kind of like cognitively I understood it, and then he moved it into the realm of of feeling it, and from there on we started to, and I could now start to feel it and get the data was because I'm hitting into a net, 
that now I was coming more inside of like one degree inside, 1.5 degree, which made for a nice soft draw. And it, but that was just like, that was the, the one thing. He didn't go into any other stuff. He just, that was just like, and what I liked about that was basically one piece to take away. And that, that's it. So rather than overloading me, yeah, and by the way, you're doing this and doing this and we'll take care of that later. Nope, just left it on that one balance thing and he ensured that you know I could feel it and we could see the difference and it was it was great. But what I want to say is that makes sense for a guy like you because you're a very good player. You have a very good grip. You set up like a you know a scratch golfer. Your golf swing itself, the mechanics, the motion, all are you know they're they're correct enough. You know one of the things I don't like with instructors is don't don't give me. And I'm, let me let me, that's too strong. I don't think it's as effective. When an instructor tells me what I'm doing versus a PGA Tour player. Right. You mean that classic thing where they video you yeah. and they put you up well, against Tiger? No, not, or not, just that, not just the video comparison, but the numbers and the, the, you know, the amount of rotation. I, I, I'm nearly 60 years old. That is, I shouldn't be compared to that. So when I say yeah. it, it makes sense that Ralph would just see a, a small, subtle thing with you. And again, I'm not blowing smoke. I, I've said it on the show for 80 episodes. You know, you, your setup, when, whenever I have played with you, and I consider myself an expert, I just look at you as somebody who's a golf who, spiritual leader. Well, exactly. Say. But I'm just saying in terms of a guy that studied the golf swing, I, I can see when I see somebody like you set up over the ball, it just looks like you're going to hit a good shot. So how much could be, you know, what could be wrong? What I think would be effective in this conversation for the listeners who aren't, and I'm going to say this, who don't set up like you and don't hit it like me, I think the the, the takeaway should be also you, when we decide, <clears throat> you have to decide what you want from a teacher because not every lesson is going to be like the one you had. Some mm-hmm. lessons are going to be, you're, you know, like you're doing a lot of things wrong. You have to decide what could be fixed and what's realistic. Right. So if you have a bad grip or you don't have the correct setup or your club goes way inside or you, you do something, you know, there you have to decide, you know, um, how many lessons you're willing to pay for. Right. And, and I think also more importantly, how much work are you willing to do? Because what Ralph taught you, all you have to do is remind yourself <clears throat> when you set up to distribute your weight maybe a, in a different way than you are used to. And you could kind of drill that in an elevator. Yeah, yeah. You know, but <clears throat> what I would see for a lot of people is they sign up for a lesson, as you said in your introduction. They sign up for a lesson, and you know what's realistic. You're not. Is it a band aid solution you want? Because that's easy. Move the fall, move the ball a little bit back in your stance, and you'll stop. Uh, you know, you'll stop overcutting it. But if you want to make a change, a wholesale change in the wintertime, I think that's a different project. You know, absolutely, and that's why I said. A good instructor will always ask you, what do you want? So if you want to really change your golf swing, you better be ready to be in an uncomfortable place. The pro is going to mess with your grip or something, and you're going to stand over the ball and go like, dude, I feel so uncomfortable. If you want to make a change, a real genuine change that leads to long-term improvement, being uncomfortable is exactly where you need to go. Well, and you also have to be realistic, you know, where I think a lot of our Swing Thought fans and friends, we'll call them friends, Swing Thoughters, you know, they have jobs, they have lives, and even though we all love this game, not everyone has turned their spare bedroom into a uh, golf laboratory. That it's would fun. be you with the two yeah. mattresses. Two and, mattresses. Uh, and Did you see? I showed you, right? Oh, yeah, it was awesome. That's yeah. insane. But my daughter's coming back for uh, Christmas next week, and uh, I... <laughs> I, I, I have to. You have to sacrifice. I have to turn it back room. into a bedroom. But <laughs> I know. Listen, make her sleep on the couch for God's sake. Exactly. Sleep with your sister. She's going to be here. Daddy. <laughs> Daddy needs his reps. Um, <laughs> but what I was going to say is, like, you know, I, I can tell you from having taken lessons all my life that any significant change I have made, and Nick and I have talked about this too. You know, sometimes, like, Ralph will tell you what he told you this weekend, or this week, I should say. And then in the next couple of months, you're going to have some epiphanies on your own. 
Oh, absolutely. And that's one thing I never understood about lessons or coaching until quite recently, which is, okay, I'll do the reps, but it's not going to happen right away because, and I just want to just finish this thought, I've been working with Scott Couch since the end of August, so September, October, November, every couple of weeks, inside and out, out of doors, and then now inside. And I go and play golf last week, and for the first couple of rounds, I was hitting it pretty good. I was, I was hitting it the way that I have wanted to hit it and that Scott and I have been working on, which is basically a bit of a pull cut, which means it starts slightly left and it drops to the right. But when I got tired on day three and day four, I just reverted back to my sort of slide and slap kind of move. Right. So, but I, but I was encouraged because I hit enough shots that didn't look like my old shot pattern, but I can go, okay, long term, I can see where this is going. My point is, if you're, if you're a, a, a person that has a, a few things to work on versus you, you got to give yourself permission to take, it's going to take a while, you know, yeah. it's, it's just going to be a process and to be patient with it because, you know, as soon as it goes wrong, you start thinking, okay, you go on Instagram and find some new lesson. Right. Well, that's the that's the danger, particularly now with, you know, you can get information from anywhere. I mean, you, you can go down this rabbit hole on YouTube and, you know, after an hour, you come up with like 10 things written <laughs> down right. that you're going to work on your golf swing. And just like after just, an hour, you come upstairs and go, I think I should swing left handed. Exactly. Exactly. And stand on one foot. Um, but one of the things that you said in there that um, I thought uh, was up to your typical standard of brilliance was. Um, you were saying it in so many terms, so many words that in essence you have to make it your own. You get the information from the coach and, and that's usually good information, but it's useless until you basically embody it. You take it and make it your own and however that is for you. It's just through your own sense of feel and awareness. Because um, generally what tends to happen is most people – Take you know information, which is intellectual stuff, and they hear it. And then, but golf isn't played with your brain; it's played with your body. So then you have to take it and make it your make it your own, and that's where you get the um, the long term benefit, um, rather than you know chasing concept after concept. I remember talking with um, you know our, our friend Carl Morris, you know, uh, who's a top top performance coach, and. You know, I said to him, there's been numbers of times through the years that I'd, I'd had a certain feeling or at least point of focus in my swing that I was working on. And then I would ab abandon it you know, and get on to something else. And then you, maybe months later or years later, I'd go back to this other piece that had served me, but I'd left it. And I said, what goes on there? And Carl says, the brain is always in search of novelty. And I think that's really what we do as golfers so much. We just do ourselves such a disservice by, you know, chasing. It was kind of like this, you know, the shiny object thing um, in this pursuit of getting better. And so, I guess what I'm saying is, is um, you know, take the information, but make it your own and feel it and and be with it, rather than I say, you know, that chasing after all these. Um, concepts i guess well no i and i you know i love that and it, it's so true that that the idea that the brain seeks the novel you know a very funny comedian that i know from uh, well she's from here originally she lives in los angeles now her name is carla collins a lot of people know she used to be the host oh, yeah. of like e-talk canada and she and i were talking about jokes and she said this and it's so true she said comedians love new jokes like babies because you, you're excited it's novel and yet if right. you and, and you can't wait to do it and and it's never as good. It really isn't. The first time you something you do on stage that works, it's you never have that feeling. Every other time you do that joke, it's just like sort of mining the old, you know. And sometimes, right. you know, but but um, but another comic said, you know, you, if you go back and look at your old material, you'll find new ways of doing it. And just as you say, we've all got swing thoughts. We all have things that over, oh, two years ago, I was, I had this feeling with my left wrist during impact. I don't know. And then you, you abandoned it because you saw something cool on a uh, line and you go, oh, I'll try this now. And that's why a good instructor. And I say like, I've had the, I really have been lucky uh, because of my profile and my ability to pay 
you know, I've had some pretty big, you know, big people look at my golf swing. And I can tell you this, that in the end, it's really the stuff I do on my own that you own. Right. Yeah. Let me ask you something. I, um, I want to ask you, do you notice any difference in the way you take a lesson now? Um, like in terms of how you absorb the information or anything like that? Because what, what came up for me was that when I was working with Ralph, in the past, uh, I tended to have, shall I say, these beliefs about how the golf swing should work and this and then. So what the instructor would say would like have to pass through this filter of that I thought it was correct or not. And with Ralph, I just went in with a complete blank slate and I just tried to just listen as best I could to everything he said. And every time I would kind of get something he would say was would kind of like cause me to think about something, I would just come back and just just be a complete sponge, completely open to everything he said. And um, that way I was able to get it all. But I don't know. It was just a different thing for me. I just wanted to be the best listener as a student I could be. Well, you know, these lessons aren't cheap. And, you know... Yeah, but there's just it's 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 an investment in money and time, and you know I, I don't know if I take lessons differently now. I think I implement what I'm learning differently now. I don't rely on you know the the guru to sal- you know give me salvation. But every time I go to a lesson, and I, I came back from Florida, and I had a uh, my final lesson with Caux was uh, just a couple days ago. You know, at first we sort of debriefed what happened to me. As I got tireder, I slid more. In fact, I said to him, I said, you know, I don't think I've ever shanked two shots in a round of golf. I can't even remember the last time I shanked a, a shot at all. And he said, well, think about it. You start getting tired. You start sliding by the ball. But some of this, you know, yeah. so you just start to kind of flip it. And, 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 I, and I, he was absolutely right. I was tired. I, I'm, you know, I'm an old man now, but... Um, Oh, that's only in your mind, golf spiritual but, leader. But you know what I mean? Like, I, my body is sore. I mean, I've been going to yoga for the last couple of weeks, and, you know, it, it's great for you, but it's still, I, I could feel a soreness. Right. Uh, and so we debriefed what happened on the in the tournament, and then we, we spent an hour and a half basically reviewing what we've been doing for the last four months. The cool thing about technology, though, because I'm not really a big track man guy. But we, we set out a goal at the beginning of this indoor season, he and I, as to what numbers, and I won't get into the technical part, but there's just some numbers I'm trying to hit. And within a few minutes, lo and behold, there I was hitting those numbers again. And I would say this, that he's been telling me the same thing since the first lesson, but every time we're together, he comes up with a different way to tell me the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and there, there's always a couple of aha moments I have whether it's in the lesson or after I go, oh, oh, now I get that. Now I understand because he'll come up with another way to say, you know, you think you need to do this, but what you actually need to do is this. I'll tell you one thing he said, because uh, everyone always wonders, like, every, I know even the people that listen to this podcast on the mental performance side of golf are once in a while hungering for an actual tip. And here's one I'd never heard. Okay. Uh- 47 years of playing golf, I'd never heard this said in this way. So we we were hitting some shots with five irons because we basically, we practice with longer clubs, he and I, because as he said, with the shorter clubs, you can kind of cheat it a little bit, right? You can kind of, but with a five iron, six iron, whatever, you need to make the swing. So we'd done that for about 45 minutes and I took out a driver and we were making some adjustments to my driver. And he said to me, he said, because we were trying to, I, I wanted to hit the ball up a little bit as opposed to kind of slide, you know, block squeezing it. And he said, here's what I want you to do. He said, think about this. The driver is the club in your bag that you make the least amount of weight shift. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he's, I'm like, what? <clears throat> I'm sorry. And he's, I, I, it was unbelievable. So I set up with my driver like a mo, you know, I sort of set up 60% of my right side because I'm right handed. And then I try and make a regular weight shift. And he says you don't have to you don't have to shift that much weight because you're trying to hit up on it. And I was uh, like, and, I, and f- I'm, I'm telling you, hallelujah. No, but I, I was like, <laughs> I, what? And I hit a few shots. It felt like I was staying way back in my right side, but the ball, 
launched and you can see it on the track man that i went from hitting like two degrees down on it to all of a sudden it's like three degrees up on it really not doing much no difference in my swing but it was right. one of those things i said to him i said you know what scott I've never heard that before, but it makes complete sense. He said, the club you shift your most weight on is a, is a wedge because you're trying to compress the thing into the ground. And I was like, I get that now. Thank you. <laughs> so, so that's a little thing that I, if you're going away this winter and you're having trouble getting your driver to launch, because that's how they're made. They're made. You know, that's, so, that's so funny is that what you mentioned there, this kind of like this big aha moment, this thing you've never heard. Just think what's like I thought what just happened in my brain and what's happening in the brain of our listeners as they hear that is is like I immediately as soon as you said that I went, Yeah, I get <laughs> no, it. I know. You know, because like I feel like all I do like on a driver's swing, all I do is feel like I move my arms really fast. Right. And I hit the ball really well. It was kind of like a kind of a Eureka moment in the last year was was that thing. But it's just fun. what I'm talking about is just like how as golfers, we hear things and immediately go, oh, yeah, or, nah, that doesn't work, or got to try that. <laughs> well, if you think about the image of a uh, home run hitter, think about a home run hitter. And what, what made me think of that is what you said about your arms going past your body quickly. If you think of a guy that can hit for power in baseball, think of the position you see them at the end of their swing. They're leaning back and their right. arms and their arms have flipped past them flips wrong word have have fully sped, have fully extended past them and it's as though they've leaned back after they've hit it mo norman said and i think uh sheds brought this up recently most said that he feels like his hands go backwards through the ball now they yeah. don't but whereas it's the opposite of what most people do which is to slide by right and then flip their hands one of the and i can tell you this from studying pull hooking and snap hooking the golf ball my, my whole adult life i used to think like a lot of listeners that you come over the top and hit a pull hook it's not track man will tell you that you're basically coming underneath you're you're swinging left with a closed club your the face is closed but you're not coming over anything the only people that come over the top really are new golfers that hit big slices the right. rest of us after a certain point you're just your path is left with a shut club face. So mm. what happens is your body stops and your hands just close as they go by the ball. So with a driver, if you do that, all kind of bad things happen. But when he said to me, your driver's the club, you, you shift the least amount of weight. Of course, you still shift your weight. But think about that home run hitter again. He hits it, and it's like almost as though he's leaning away from it. Yeah, I think it's 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 the intent to hit the damn ball, and, and that's what happens. I think the the body knows what to do. It's like when I when I try to, whatever I try to physically do something, I need to shift my weight. Oh boy, it just it's a big lurch and a lot of crappy stuff happens. But what I th like so, in terms of of providing some good stuff for our our listeners about how they can improve their gains from lessons um what do you do so you just talked about getting some really good information and a, a new insight so how do you ingrain that how do you take that like what do you do between sessions with scott so you can ingrain that uh you know i've heard different people uh come up with different number of reps you have to do i mean certain things like what ralph taught you about making sure your weight is distributed in a different manner i mean you can just do that that's something like the next time you go to hit a ball you'll go oh yeah i'm supposed to do this now, i'll hold you there though just a bit yeah. because when i play what'll tend to happen i think it'll be the same thing is that um could get tired could get frustrated could be like hitting at night not well and think oh it must be something you know here I'm, i must be doing this that and lose the thread so right so yeah it is it is awareness piece i have to keep on that but i have to maintain that focus until it becomes uh what do you call it Un unconscious competence exactly right i well i can only tell you what i do which is you know i started taking lessons from him again the last week of august and I would say almost every day since we started, I have been either doing some drills in front of a mirror. 
I, uh, you know, I, I'm lucky because I can take my dog out. And, uh, yeah. you know, I hit 60 uh, wedges the other day just doing nice. this thing. I mean, I think it's so different. What if it's, what if it's during season and you take a lesson? What do you do between your sessions? Well, I was going to say, I, however you, whatever you do, you're wasting your money if you don't go out and at least spend some time in between the instruction practicing the motion. Now, I like to do it in front of a mirror, uh, not necessarily hitting balls. But before we're done here today, I do want to talk to you about a conversation I had with the uh, president of Tour Striker Golf this week, my good buddy. Oh, Mar- Mr. Chuck. My Mark. good buddy, Marty Chuck. Marty Just, Chuck. Yeah, I my had boy, Chuck Mart. <laughs> my boy, Marty, and I were talking. And I, I'm going to tell you a little bit about that conversation. But I would tell you, if you're learning something radical, for instance, if the person you're working with says, you know, we really need to get your hands like if it's a grip change or something in your in your in your full motion swing, I can tell you, you are going to need to rep it hundreds and thousands of times. And, and I'm not talking about hitting balls. I'm talking about your. It won't be unconscious for a long time. Right. Uh, that's just my experience with it. So you have to. Oh, be, you're right. You're, you're you're absolutely right. But the reason I was I was. I was saying that is that you'd be amazed at how many instructors I know. We know a lot of people in the golf business oh, yeah. who like give lessons, and then the person comes back and they say, "Okay, um, let's let's see how you've been making out on this." And the person swings, and the, and the coach knows this person didn't practice at all, and, and that's so frustrating. Um, so if you're going to invest in lessons, the time, the money. Do the work. I was going to say it goes back to what you said at the beginning. What is your intention? If you if you just want to go there for a band aid, that's fine. Like, you know, I play enough golf with people, and they say, "Hey, can you give me a?" I go, "Sure." You're aiming way right, and put the ball back in your stance. I can tell you that there are simple things that the average person can do to hit the ball better momentarily. But if you're somebody who's listening to this show, you're you're into golf, and if you want to make big changes, they take they take time. Uh, I can tell you that. Over five rounds in Florida, you know, I, I didn't hit a whole bunch of shots that were kind of like I wanted to, but I hit enough that that were uh, like I went, oh, okay, cool. Um, and I'm only trying to get. I'm not trying to change my golf swing radically. I just want to get. I want to have a more reliable shot. And to be a tournament player, when things go wrong, like I tell you, my second round that I shot 73, the first round I hit 15 greens. The second round I hit nine greens. But it was a great round because my short game was on point. And that's where I wanted to segue about the conversation with Marty Chuck. Cool. So I would say if somebody's listening and they want to improve their game in 2019, I would say, and this is going to sound crazy since we spent this entire show talking about lessons, but I would say... If you could take your short game and make it a priority, there's nothing that will lower your score faster. If you were taking a lesson from O'Connor or Coux or anybody, Casey or Nick, I would say what's realistic is if you became a better pitcher, chipper, and putter. And that goes back to what Ed Coughlin and I were talking about, which is if you can make yourself um, reliable, around the golf course on days when, as you know, golf is a sport where you don't always hit it good. But if you can be reliable around the greens, whatever that means at your handicap level, that will lower your score beyond anything we've talked about. Thoughts? Yeah. Mr. O'Connor? So that, well, that's, that's gospel, man. Um, anyone who's been around this game a long time know, knows that it's so easy to be chasing sort of like this rabbit, if you will, of of swing perfection and it feels great to hit drivers. People like to go to the range a lot of times to hit drivers because it's fun. You know, let's see how far it can go. But if you're a serious golfer and you want to play this game well, um, the short game is just that's that's really where it's at. And what and what's interesting to me is that when you think about it, the short game is just the bottom part of a golf swing. <laughs> you know, it really is. So if you can make good contact with a chip a putt whatever uh a pitch that filters through the rest of your game because you've got to have good fundamentals there's a little bit of weight shift in a you know in a pitch shot and your hands you know generally are going to be operating in a certain way so but that just makes tons of sense and and what i really like about our conversation with with uh, ed Coglin and other 
experts in skill acquisition and how we learn. It's in the short game we learn to adapt. We learn how to to use the tool, the golf club, to make it make the ball move in certain ways, and and that's just a great learning laboratory. Um, how we can just because you know, there's days obviously where our game is not our swing isn't working that day that well so you still got to scrape it around and good players you know it's like tiger woods used to say you know he wins he won tournaments with his b game good players you know that starts with a solid short game when he said that you know he got a lot of criticism but i think we can all relate to it because you know i can tell you on on the first round of this tournament in my mind last week i had great i had my good stuff i from the first swing i made on that golf course I had 15 greens of regulation. I made three birdies. I got up and down. Uh, didn't have to get up and down. I think I got up and down once. It didn't matter. Uh, the next day, though, I could tell almost immediately I didn't have my good stuff. It was a windier day, and yeah. but I, that I scraped it around. I, I, I was stingy around the greens. I got up and down a bunch of times, um, and not, and they weren't flashy up and downs they were just they were just stock i needed i was off the green i hit it to four feet i made the putt um and that gets to this conversation i had with martin chuck this week you know i've known martin since uh we were he was just finishing new mexico state uh going on the canadian tour in the early 90s and i was a member at the national and i i was i had a kind of job that i could hang around with these young guys i was about six years older than him eight years older and i hung around with marty chuck brennan little who was mike weir's caddy Dave Moreland, the late Craig Marseille, good, good players, Kevin Baker. And I was kind of swept up in the this kind of cadre of guys that were turning pro. And so I've known, yeah. Marty, I've known Marty a long time. And we were talking this week just to catch up. I, his son uh, broke his uh, arm or something. I sent him a note. Oh, anyway, so I, we ended up talking while he was waiting for his, his son to get x-rays. And I said to him, Marty, you know, you're one of the top 100 teachers now. Revolution Golf, Tour Striker. You know, he's done very well for himself. He's a, He does these schools. And I said, you teach people all the time. And I said, for someone like me, and I told him what my goal is. I said, and I told him I was working with the Cowks. He's seen me online. And I said, so what would you have me work on in order to get to where I want to go? And he said, you know what, Howard? He said, you hit it plenty good enough right now to be where you want to be. He said, you just need to make sure that for because he's you know because we're talking about the vagaries of the game the problem with most of us is we have this image of of golf the way it's played by the best players on their best days but as marty said he said i work with tour players they hit it terribly but every once in a while they hit it good and you see them on tv on the weekends and this is a guy who's whose uh, training aid is used by J- justin rose so he said stop trying to hit it perfectly as you just said he said just make sure from a hundred yards in that you're that you're the best you can be, and I said that's great. That's what I'm. I, I said that's what I want to do in this winter. And that's what Ed said to me. He said you need to practice your short game with context and consequence. And right. all he meant, I was doing that in Florida. He said, take five balls. Three of these five balls have to get up and down, or you can't leave. Like just a small little thing like that, all of a sudden puts you in the same mindset you have when you're trying to sh- break forty on the front nine. Yeah, and you're making it a game. You're making it a game, and and part of the problem. Is, so, like, for you know, forever and ever, um, people have been hearing this. You know, practice your short game. You want to be a good player. You know, put at least fifty percent of your time more. You, you know, into your short game when you, with your time to practice. And people don't do it. And I think largely what they do is they tend to take the same sort of perfectionist tendencies. And yeah, face it, most of you people who are listening, you're probably, if you've got any level of anything you do in your life, it's because you're part, you have perfectionist tendencies and you're trying to do things right. And, but that will only take you so far. So what I'm connecting to is, is, um, you go around the green and you do things like par 18 or you just create games with a buddy or a friend or something like that. Or as you say, you have to get five balls up and down in a row. Or you can't leave. You make it fun. And that way you're going to be more wanting to do it. And you'll get the, you'll get the reps in of 
of simulated competition, That's putting it. yourself under under kind of pressure. I remember that one game that you showed me. It was not necessarily a game. It's a a putting drill where don't you hit like uh, a putt from three feet, four yeah. feet, five feet, six, three, feet, four, seven five. Feet. Yeah, it's five putts. Three, four, five, six, seven, and as soon as you miss, you have to start over again. And All I can right. tell you, some days it takes me, you know, only a few minutes. But there have been days when I haven't gotten to that fifth putt, that seven-footer, for 25 minutes. And I promise you, when I sink it, because I've had to start over, start over, start over. But when I actually sink it, I have fist pumped. Absolutely. Because, because yeah. it feels like, oh, I did it. Exactly. And Versus it's just hitting putts. And people, the re- a key reason people don't practice a short game, it's, it's boring. Unless you do stuff like that, and right. and again, that that all plays into that sort of uh, it's a really new mantra in in golf coaching is around adaptability. Right, being able to take your game and work with it and respond to the different conditions, whether it be you know it's windy that day, it's wet, uh, your body just feels different than it did the day before, uh, because be able to hit you know. Um, you know, perfect numbers on TrackMan or Foresight off of, uh, you know, off a putting mat or, or, or a perfectly level range, that is, will not do the, will not make the difference you're searching for unless you start to put it in, in consequence and in context of this is a game and you're, you're approaching it like a game. And, and, and I love that. And, you know, one of the things Marty and I were talking about, he said, think about it, you know, even at a higher level, you're only going to, he said, you know, like 80% of the time shots kind of work out, you know, like <laughs> yeah. he said, but, but, you know, a lot of times they don't it's and, and he said, you know, it's, he used a great phrase. He said, you got to be mature enough. And, and I love that. He said, you have to be re- mature enough to hit a bad shot and then go, okay, now what, what's next? Right. And leave it behind. You know, I heard a an old interview with Keegan Bradley recently, and he was talking about when he won the PGA back in 2011. What people forget about that is on the 16th hole of that round, he hit a very good shot that turned out badly. He made a double bogey. No, I think it was 15. And he oh did, yeah, he chunked it over the green. Yeah, and, he, and it just it was just a bad yeah. break. It got into a bad lie. Whatever it was, he made a double bogey with the lead in the PGA Championship. And he works with uh, Rotella, as did his aunt uh, Pat Bradley. Yeah, and, and he was saying that what he did it was about a hundred yards to the next tee box. And he counted every step in his mind. And as each step went by, he gave himself permission, I guess, to get further and further away from what just happened. And he yeah. said the he said the, the proudest he was that day was on the swing on the sixteenth where he just ripped it down the middle, made birdie birdie the next hole, got into a playoff and won. But he was and those those are the best players in the world. They have to do things to leave bad shots behind. So why wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're all yeah. This, I've said this over and over again. People tend to think that a PGA Tour player is this blissed out Zen practitioner, like a monk. No, they're just as whacked out as we are. But they have processes like that that they that they and, and a state of mind and, and an attachment. And what I just you reminded me of something there because uh, I knew Marty Chuck. Um, I played with him when he was about eighteen uh, at the National. Uh, so Ben Kern and I uh, did a lot of. Uh, work together uh right i was the writer he's the pro right and um anyways he, we did and he says hey why don't you go and play with marty so we went and played but what i was connect to was this idea of of context and attitude and game and so um i've written a blog by the time people um, listen to this show this blog will be up on my website um and it was about ben kern who was uh, a great mentor to me and to people like like Ben Kern is a key reason why guys like Sean Foley, Danny King, Marty Chuck, why they are where they are today. Because he was a great inspiration. Tom Jackson, Jeff Hay, the All list goes guys. on and on. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I was very, uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to uh, to have known Ben, a very, very sweet man. So the story I wanted to connect to about uh, about a different way to look at the game was. Uh, Devil's paintbrush, number eleven, par five, kind of medium length. You hit if you hit a good drive, you're kind of at the top of a hill. To hold that green, 
you have to run the ball in because it's a link style course. So there's a mound in front of that green. Uh, and then this mound also has some bunkers in it. And Ben said that so, so you had to land the ball short and then roll it up between the bunkers over the mound onto the green. And Ben said, you know, some of the members don't like it. They think those bunkers should be taken out because it's more like, um, he's, you know, they think it's more uh, luck than skill to get the ball up there sometimes. And But Ben said to me, he says, he just loved to hit the ball and watch what happens. It's so much fun. And it was like, like so it, like this is like 1995, 96. And like that was the diametric opposite of the way I viewed the game. Mm-hmm. Fun? What are you kidding? The shot's either good mediocre or bad and here's ben kern former pga tour player one of canada's best coaches and he's just trying to have fun <laughs> you know it's funny you brought that up because marty and i it's and one of the things marty said to this we were talking we talked about 45 minutes while he was waiting in the uh, waiting room he said uh at one point he said that he said you've also got to have the maturity to you know do the best you can and then once the ball goes it's like well that's it then uh, you know, you can have no more effect on it, and all you can do is notice what happened and then go try and hit it again. I mean, ultimately, on a, on a show that we're doing about lessons, probably the best lesson that I could pass on is learning to be a, you know, kind observer of your own, you know, your own <laughs> manifestation of, of yeah, BS. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, Keegan Bradley, what, in essence, you know, if you want to get kind of all golf performance coachy around it, he practiced, He what he was practicing was detachment. Right. He was putting distance between, he kind of witnessed what happened, and as he got, he got further away, you know, uh, physically and, you know, uh, spiritually, if you will, from that event, so that he could go and just, be a, what he needed to be and that really and, is the the takeaway is that we have to be kinder to ourselves and not and be a bit of a kind witness to what's going on as opposed to imbuing everything and i'm as guilty as anybody of imbuing everything with such significance it's just a five iron you miss the green you know move on yeah and and, and judgment you know it's like constant evaluation right. comparison judgment oh i i guess uh, i don't have it today well did I ever have it? No. <laughs> that's right. Will I ever have it again? Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, that's, my gosh. Why don't we, uh, we have just a couple minutes left. I mean, that is really the, the great thing about this game. It gives us endless opportunities to learn about ourselves because of the situational variety of golf, whether it's, you know, somebody kidding you about, you know, a swing you made or, uh, uh, you know, I, I – I didn't tell you this, but uh, on the first on the first day, I'm walking up to the 18th green. I'd hit a good drive. I probably could have gotten to the green. It was a par five. I had about 270 to the flag, 245 to the front of the green. But there was water right and bunkers, and I, I could get to the green if I flushed my three wood. But I thought to myself, you know what? If I if I block it a little bit, I'm going to go on the hazard. So I I hit seven iron and gap wedge to five feet. So I thought, oh, you know, good, good golf course management. But as I was walking, that was very mature, very very mature. mature, I was walking up to the putt and I thought, I know you're going to laugh at me, but I don't care. (laughs) I walked up to the putt and I quickly did the math and I thought, oh, cool. Uh, If I sink this putt, I'm going to shoot two under par. And of course, I didn't even hit the hole. Um, even though I got back in my prize, even though, and then the, the, and I got, I got pissed at myself because not because I missed the putt. It was because I had that thought and rather than just let it go and get back, I thought I was getting back into my process, but somewhere I hadn't, because it's fine to have that thought, but it's natural to have that thought. I thought, oh, this is cool. And, um, it wasn't a very difficult putt. It was just, I. Rather than just go, well, it's just a putt, Howard. Just go through your whatever. My point is, even at this advanced stage of transcendence. <laughs> Golf spiritual leaders. Even at this advanced stage, you know, I'm I'm still discovering that, you know, if I want to be a, a scratch, full-time scratch golfer or even a plus handicap, like there's not much. Like I don't need to hit the golf ball one ounce better to be a plus one or plus two. Like I play with a guy named Paul Gordon, and we've had him on the show. Paul hits it great, but there's nothing Paul does in a round of golf that I am not able to do. But what? So what prevents me from 
shooting 69 or 70 every time I play isn't physical. And that's the, uh, you know, that's how I'll end my uh, my dissertation in 2018 is that it really is more of a mental game. And, and I think this is one of the reasons we love this show is because even though we talked about taking lessons today, the big lessons is the big lesson for me is that's the that's the growth short game and and getting better at that part of the game yeah absolutely well that's why we do the show is we believe in this and that it really is coming to be such a, a greater part of awareness of 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 good players and 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 people who teach this game is that that physical technical part of, of the game will take you only so far that's right and that you can actually just by your thinking you can just really sabotage yourself in that headlong pursuit for what people think is the ideal golf swing. Really, I mean, again, if you get down to it, um, you know, when you're playing this game, it doesn't really matter if you put a golf, good golf swing on it or a good stroke. Did it go in the hole? Did, <laughs> did it actually go to your target? That's what matters. And however you do it, um, you know, yes, you have to be cognizant of fundamentals and there's a balance. Of, of awareness there um, and you have to make you know generally a pretty good motion but so much of it is based on our attitude our outlook uh, our intentions for ourselves and that's why golf is just such this magnificent game is that really it's just a metaphor for everything we do in our life um, ab- about how we view ourselves well, that's a great, listen, there's a great word, a great place to end. Thanks to uh, our friends at TaylorMade and Adidas. Hopefully they'll be back for 2019. Uh, we will. Um, I'm not sure when we're, I guess we'll record something in the first week of January when the yeah. PGA Tour gets back. I guess this is back. also, I guess this would be our, would, this would be our seasonal show. Oh, are yeah. We, are, are we allowed in this world of PC to say this is our Christmas show? Yeah, I don't get that. Why, you know, why are people. Would it be also our Hanukkah show? Not really. No, <laughs> no. Um, I have no problem. You know, it's funny. People, have, as I've gotten older, you know, it never used to be this way when I was a kid. But somewhere in the last ten years, people were like, uh, "Hey, Merry Christmas!" Ooh, sorry, Howard. Like because yeah. I'm, I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> you know, if you wish a Jewish person Merry Christmas, they don't turn to stone. You know, uh, <laughs> I wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, Tim O'Connor. You're a lovely, lovely uh, fellow, and uh, right golf has golf has brought us together, and uh, we've got. Some kind of cool stuff in the works, hopefully. Although I haven't heard back from that guy. Um, we uh, we got some cool stuff, and uh, we look forward to uh, joining everybody in the new year and uh, health uh, and happiness upon your household, sir. Yes, absolutely, and all of yes, seasonal good cheer. All right, Happy my friend. Twenty nineteen. Yes, here we go. I, even though you can't hear the music, let me turn it up for the folks. Uh, Swing thoughts, episode eighty. It's done. In the books. You get a shiver in the dark. It's raining in the park. Meantime, 